Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 132 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. One of the things that you have told me, Robert, that is important to follow across the federal government in the midst of especially IT transformations that agencies are doing and digitization efforts is how they're managing the transformation inside financial management operations. Is that not true? It is true. It's a journey that the federal government's been on for decades, and those who've done it successfully are worth studying and emulating. And that is what we'll do today. We'll study the transformation happening at the Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, our guests are Herb Dennis, the Chief Financial Officer, officer there, and George Tomchik III, the Deputy CFO. Gentlemen, welcome. It's good to talk to you both. Herb, I want to start with you. To be fair, when you joined HUD, it was it's reasonable to say, I think, that HUD had a lot of room for improvement, not just <laughs> in the digital transformation aspect of the CFO shop, but just overall in what you needed to do to get on track. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's very fair. I mean, when you look at HUD's financial infrastructure at the time, Francis, it was, I would say it was a mess. Uh, we were probably last in the cabinet agencies from a financial infrastructure. And, and you just look at the, the, uh, the, the perfect view of that is our financial statements, the audits were disclaimed. We had four areas and, and the financial infrastructure that could not be audited. We had nine material weaknesses, which means there were nine areas which you could not rely on the financial controls. Um, and that's not a picture of health when you look at the financial statements. So uh, when I came aboard, uh, I realized there was a lot of work to do. And we have not had a clean set of financial statements or a clean audit opinion in probably seven or eight years. The, uh, the CFO office was empty. They've, they've, uh, the person that uh, President Obama appointed unfortunately died in office in his first year they never reappointed someone else or nominated someone else so it was basically leadership for about seven or eight years and you could see that in the financial infrastructure Irv, you, you, you've been there how long now so i i came in january 2018 and i spent 37 years prior to that with ernst and young and in the process I was an audit partner with them. And I think the appeal that the presidential personnel office had with my resume was I knew large, I knew complicated, and I knew financial excellence from working with some of uh, our large flagship accounts at Ernst & Young. I was uh, an audit partner, coordinating audit partner on companies like McDonald's and Abbott Labs and, and Cardinal Health. So I knew big, I knew complicated, um, and I had a great vision for, for how to uh, turn this agency around and and get us to where we are today. I think maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. But when you look at where we were two and a half years ago and where we are today, we're very close to getting a clean bill of health on our financial statement. So we're very excited about that. I definitely want to talk about where you are today and where you want to go forward. Um, but George, what's your history here? And how have you been able, as Irv's deputy, to do the operational stuff to get the, to kind of fulfill the vision that Irv brought in? Yeah, so this is actually my third stint at HUD. I'd, I'd been here previously two times, once in the CFO office and once in FHA. So I had a good understanding of the operations of the department. Irv and I had talked you know, prior to his confirmation about my interest in this position. And it was definitely something I was interested 
often I saw it as an opportunity, you know, having experience with HUD and the financial processes in the past and being here before when we were getting clean audit opinions, I did know what was required. So, you know, Irv's has obviously a breadth of experience, you know, in all his years, you know, at, at Ernst & Young. And I think what I added to that was my government experience to help guide, you know, through the process. So it was a great team effort, you know, as far as tackling what needed to be, ha what needed to happen, um, getting the staff engaged, you know, telling them, laying out the vision for them, which is, you know, something that I met with them regularly on, I'm getting people to buy in. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a, a, a joint effort, collaborative effort, you know, with the two of us. One of the things you, you got when you joined HUD is a lot of helpers. So you've you've got a, a sound staff there, but you've also got an inspector general who hires an independent auditor. You've got the government accountability office. Congress is always there to lend a helpful hand. How do yeah. you how do you sift through all those different yeah. voices to figure out what's really important? Well, it's, you know, it's a great question. When I, um, I, I approached this job very similar to what I did as a coordinating partner when you rotate off large accounts every five years, as, as an independence thing the SEC requires. And um, I spent the first 90 days um, understanding the business of HUD, understanding the complexities, understanding the complexities of governments and the, the processes that are sometimes barriers to what you don't see in the private sector. And George has been extraordinarily helpful to me in that. I, I did not know government at all, um, but, but I knew financial excellence. I knew what we needed to do. Um, and one of the things that we needed to do was reestablish good relationships with uh, all of the stakeholders, if you will. And that's the Hill that you mentioned. It's GAO. It's the IG. It's Treasury. It's OMB. All of my initial discussions with them, they didn't look at HUD with any sort of, um, I don't know if respect's the right word, but they did not look at us as a well-oiled machine and it, it hurt us in our relationship. So I committed to them that uh, I've got a plan in place, a vision. I know how to attack this from changing corporate governance, putting a detailed financial plan in place with goals, getting people bought in doing the IT modernization that's available to government that's out in the private sector, doing robotics, expanding our shared service center with ARC. And uh, once they started to understand that we had a vision, they understand that we started delivering stuff on time accurately, uh, those relationships changed. And I will tell you, um, they look at HUD very differently today than they did three years ago. And it's uh, establishing those relationships were absolutely critical to, to our success. So would you have advice for anybody who comes after you or anybody who joins an yeah. or a federal organization who doesn't know these different sort of institutional creatures like the inspector general and GAO? Yeah, I, you know, my, I was actually, it's interesting. I was talking to Gene Dodaro yesterday, the controller over at GAO, and he, he thought, and we talked about this, he, he thought one of the things that uh, was a very positive to our approach is I came in and listened. I, I didn't come in with a sense of arrogance from the private sector that I knew more than anyone within government. And um, again, I, I knew private sector, I knew financial excellence, but I didn't know government. And that's where George was so helpful. And he helped me walk around Washington and not step on landmines. But, um, you, you know, you can't control resources in government like you can in the private sector. I, I, you can't move people at will. It's hard to hire. It's hard to, to uh, counsel people out like you can in the private sector. It's hard to procure. The procurement process takes forever, so you just can't get a contractor tomorrow. You know, every time I want to buy a cup of coffee, I need appropriations uh, permission. So they tell you when and how 
spend your money. So those processes can slow it down and they're, they're barriers. And George was very helpful in, um, in helping me navigate that. So my advice for anybody that comes in from the private sector that wants to do good and help do meaningful work, which I fully support, I think it's a great two and a half years. I would do it again in a New York minute. Um, but it's really important to come in and just know that you don't know everything and you're going to need the assistance and the collaboration of a, a team effort with, with government expertise and the expertise that you bring. So that's where you are today, gentlemen. What, what groundwork are you laying now, whether it's pursuant to the kind of transformation effort that I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation or something else that you're doing to make sure that the agency doesn't backslide? What can you do? Because, Irv, you're not going to be there forever. George, you might not be there forever. What do you do to make sure that those next people that Robert referred to walk into a situation that's 180 (laughs) degrees opposite of what you walk into and can perpetuate it? You know, Francis, it's a great question and one I was very, very conscious of when I started. Um, And what's unique about government from the private sector is it's very difficult to change cultures that make it sustainable and change processes that are sustainable that are outside the normal government processes. And that's simply because you can wipe out all of the, the leadership of the agencies with a change of administration, which we might be facing here. We're hopefully not, but I, I really want another crack at this. So my the goal that I had here was to stress the importance of this, stress the value of why financial infrastructure, IT modernization is so important to, to help the people we serve, that you, you want to make that sustainable, embedded into the career folks and get the career leadership bought into all this. And we've done a great job with that on the financial infrastructure and, and the, some of the IT modernization. So I'm very hopeful and I'm very um, confident that that'll continue because um, and, and, that's now embedded in our processes and our systems. We'll have, continue to have contractor support, of course. But the, the, the area that we're now, and we talk about that, that this has to be sustainable and you've got to keep pushing it. And whoever comes in this office, don't just, don't, send us, don't, don't send it all backwards. And mm-hmm. and the, the other areas we're thinking about is some of our efforts on the center of excellence. And that is, you know, it's not quite as embedded. That's relatively new. We're in phase two over the last six months. And, you know, we're talking to the career folks to make sure those initiatives that have the ability to be very transformational into the future you know now that we got the financial infrastructure soundly in place things like customer experience uh, acceleration of cloud adoptions the, the improving the call centers embedding data analytics so we can continue the ability to get at data and, and drive decisions um, that's uh, we're, we're pushing that now and talking about the importance of that going forward but you know it is a great question we, we I'm hopeful that these changes we made so far, and I'm confident that they are financial infrastructure. They're they're just embedded in our processes now. It would, there'd be no, it'd be hard to go back. <laughs> yeah, and just to, I think just to add to what Irv said, I think you know our leadership, you know the executives that report to us. I mean, I think they've enjoyed in this, they've enjoyed the success that we've had, and I think you know everybody's seen you know now what financial excellence is, and I think there's just everybody wants to continue it, you know because we have been successful nobody wants to go back to what what it was like three years ago so i think you know the career the career staff have really taken the ball have run with it i mean they're empowered now they feel like you know they can go out and do things you know they feel confident when talking with the auditors um so i really do believe i think you know because we got them bought in so early and now they've enjoyed in success 
that it will sustain itself, you know, over time. So it's interesting that you look at our EVS scores, the the satisfaction of our employees in the CFO shop. We were dead last at HUD. And with these efforts and the improvements and their excitement of it, we are now leading our EBS scores, our federal EBS scores at, at HUD, and we're the lower quadrant for government at large. Now we're in the top quadrant. So, uh, you know, I, we, there are a lot of great, smart people in our CFO shop, but, you know, they were a little bit leaderless for seven or eight years, and, and that's reflected in the financials. And, you know, with these tools and, and training and the mentoring that we've given them, uh, they've had the courage to go out and understand that, you know, we are able to talk to a program and help them make changes towards the better of uh, financial improvements. And it's, it's been, it's been fun to watch. I mean, it's, yeah. this is I've, it's going to yeah. be a three to five yeah. year effort. It's, uh, it, and then here we are in, you know, two, uh, two years and eight months, we're, uh, we're just about, we're, we're hitting our goals. Everybody's in the boat rowing. So, yeah. Exactly. I think the engagement scores are probably some of the best indicators you could point to of your success are there other metrics that you follow that that you're particularly proud of well the uh you know the simple metric is just the elimination of four disclaimers and nine material weaknesses in the financials that was always the the number one target um you look at the reduction in open audit findings there was uh, i think when george what was there's about 24 2500 when we got no, here 2400 yeah, over 2,400, and, you know, we've got that down below uh, 1,200 at this point, and uh, so that's a metric that was important. Uh, we were not in compliance with any, and I mean any, financial reporting guidelines of the the, uh, the federal regulations, including IPERA, you know, the uh, Data Act, the GON Act, uh, A123, uh, Internal Control Insurance. We we're not in compliance with none of that in 2000. We don't have time. We don't have time for you to list them. We don't have. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but all of it's that. A long list. There's <laughs> long list, but all that we're in compliance. It's going to be the cleanest set of financials we probably have ever had at that. That's fantastic. What is next? What do you do other than just try to continue to perpetuate the success that you've had? How do you build on what you've done so far? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think what's important to build on it is to, to keep the corporate governance in place, and that's that's where you know the new. If, if there is a change in regime or new people coming in, I'm going to really stress that the agency wide integrity task force is uh, was a corporate governance that got all the programs, FHA, Ginny May, the C suite offices working together. That'll be really important. And under that, um, what what is next is continued improvement in HR and procurement policies and practices to improve those scores. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I really think getting the voice of the customer into HUD is going to be absolutely critical for and, and transformational. Sometimes it's hard for the people that we serve to understand how we serve them, where to go to help. And we're putting in processes around improving getting the voice of the, the, the people that we serve into to HUD. And we're doing that with structured and unstructured data. We have lots of data inside of HUD, but there's a lot of outside data that we're, we're going after. Improving our website so it's easier for people to use. It's very difficult to navigate, trying to make that easier. Um, and I still think we have a long way to go on uh, understanding the data that we have and, and using that in a meaningful way. And well, uh, and the, all these things, Francis, and so you just start simple, right? You do one little thing and everyone sees the magic and then it explodes from there. Um, and we uh, just completed an operational spending dashboard uh, from the CFO shop, which takes our last 
22 years of program spend, and you can slice and dice that by geography at the state, county, city, zip code, congressional district, um, and it's broken down by program. You can go to a grantee and see how much they had, what has been uh, obligated versus what's spent. And it's over a trillion dollars. Um, and the secretary, you could just push a few buttons on a phone and you can go to Detroit and say, geez, over the last one year, 10 years, whatever period he wants, we've given you X billion dollars and uh, you still have, uh, you know, half of, you know, however much left to spend. Um, it's really, really a powerful tool. So that's, that's what I have the vision of this agency being in the next uh, three or four years, pushing those type of things. Gentlemen, tremendous success story here, and I congratulate you on doing it and appreciate you taking some time to come and talk to us about the work that you're doing. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Francis. Anytime. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.